Welcome to Book Reads with Tracy, where I read books and share my thoughts with you throughout my reading. I hope you enjoy this episode. Today we are going to read Chapter Five of the book Midnight Without a Moon by Linda Williams Jackson. This book is a historical fiction book. Chapter Five, Tuesday, July twenty-sixth. That morning, Mister Albert was right back in Mister Robinson's cotton field with sixteen-year-old Fish and one of his younger sons, Adam, barely ten. Adam would replace Levy. Mister Albert's three older sons had left one by one for Detroit six years prior. Like Mister Pete, they had packed up their young families and fled the dirt claws of the Delta as soon as they saved up enough money to start a new life someplace else. Nobody talked about Levy, at least not in my hearing, anyway. Ma, Pearl, and Papa acted as if their words might get picked up by the wind and carried over to Mr. Robinson's ears if they said anything about the shooting. Hallelujah had said that folks acted the same way when Reverend George Lee was shot in Bilzoni back in May. Some, he said, even claimed it was the preacher's own fault that he was killed. If he just took his name off them voting records like the white folks told him, he'd heard a woman at church whisper he wouldn't got, get himself killed. I was glad when I saw Reverend Jenkins' brown boot stirring up dust along the edge of the field, as I was sure Hallelujah would have some news about Lovey. When Hallelujah jumped out, Reverend Jenkins, his thick glasses glaring in the sunlight. Said something to him, probably instructing him to mind his manners. Then he waved and drove off. He honked and waved at Papa at the far end of the field as the tires of his buke crunched rocks on the road. I paused, not that I was doing much work anyway, and leaned against the hoe. Hey, I said, waving at Hallelujah before he even reached me. Hallelujah smiled and waved back. It was good to see him smile again. But as hot as it was out there, and I mean heat that wrapped its arms around me like a long lost relative giving a hug, that boy was wearing his dark brown fedora instead of a straw hat. What are what are you trying to do? I said as he got closer. Get black like me? You're gonna burn up in this heat. Hallelujah! Touched the tip of his hat and grinned. The blacker the berry, the sweeter the juice. Who told you that lie? Read it in a book, he said. I chuckled and started chopping again. Even the devil got sense enough to wear a straw hat in his this heat. Hallelujah! Followed me as I crept along the road. Again, he didn't bother to stop by the barn and pick up a hoe to help out. But there really wasn't much to chop, seeing that Papa knew how to take good care of cotton. We didn't have many weeds like I'd heard about in some fields, but as I was still slow, even little Adam could out chop me. I was dressed in Fredly's two big overalls and his long sleeve shirt, and it took a lot of effort for me to walk up and down, walk up and down quarter of a mile long rows of cotton in the suffocating heat for five hours straight. I stopped for a water break at the end of every row. It's a good thing I worked under Papa's supervision instead of a white supervisor like Ricky Turner's evil pappy. What's your business today? Asked Hallelujah. Hallelujah shrugged. Preacher, let me take a break from the store. A couple hours only, he said. You helping Miss Bertha today? Hallelujah nodded. Yep. And you need a break already, I teased him. Hallelujah grinned and pretended to wipe sweat from his brow. His aunt, Bertha Jenkins, owned a small grocery store. 
only Negro owned business in Stillwater. Even though she sold mostly staples like flour, cornmeal, and sugar, white folks still weren't too happy about her store, seeing that it took businesses away, away from theirs. It had been broken into more times than anybody cared to count. She could barely keep her shelves stocked. The police dismissed the vandalism as color destroying their own property to make God-fearing white folks look bad. But we all knew who was really trying to sabotage Miss Bertha's business. So, what's Miss Sweet cooking today? No matter how many times I heard it, I just couldn't get used to people calling Ma Pearl Miss Sweet. She was about as sweet as a slice of lemon soaked in vinegar. Her real name, of course, was Pearl, but I couldn't see how that fit her either, seeing that a pearl usually is a thing of beauty. I squinted at Hallelujah. It's Tuesday, not Sunday. What else she gonna cook besides beans? What kind? I shrugged. Pinto, I reckon. That's good enough for me, Hallelujah said. Beats the air soup I would have eaten. I teased him. So you really stopped by to get fed, huh? He patted his thick middle and said, Yep. I glanced down the road to make sure I was still far away from Papa as he and Fred Lee were coming back down the road toward me. Heard anything about Levy? I asked under my breath. Hallelujah stuffed his hands in his pocket. Preacher's getting the NAACP involved. Spit caught in my throat and I almost choked. I stopped chopping and placed the finger to my lips to shush hallelujah. Not so loud, I said, my eyes darting towards Papa. NAACP, Ma Pearl said, if I've ever uttered those letters in her house, it would take a year to wash the taste of lye soap from my mouth. The letters stood for National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. And according to Hallelujah, the group was trying to do just that, help colored people advance, to help our people find their way out of these cotton fields, I once heard Reverend Jenkins say. Reverend Jenkins was involved in the group, secretly, of course, so Hallelujah knew all about it had even been to some meetings. I knew nothing except what I got from him or from the discarded pages of the Clarion Ledger newspaper, which I sneaked and re read while out in the toilet. The Clarion Ledger was the largest white-owned newspaper in Mississippi, and it was the Robinsons' favorite. What it reported about the NAACP was that it was nothing more than a bunch of Northern Negro ag agitators coming to the South to incite good color people to stir up trouble with the whites. And Ma Pearl agreed. The Robinsons is good white people, she said, so we ought not associate with Negroes who stir up trouble. She said we were lucky. Mr. Robinson let us keep hogs, chickens, and a cow on his place when other landowners wouldn't. Most colored had to buy overpriced meat, eggs, and milk from the white stores because Miss Bertha didn't have the means to keep such things at her store, or they had to just do without it. So it would have been grateful for Mr. Robinson's generosity, especially with the way he kept our house furnished, always allowing Mrs. Robinson to buy items she'd soon tire of, then pass them on to Ma Pearl. Even Mr. Robinson himself had said he'll run any Negroes off his place if they cause trouble. Any Negro bold enough to drink that poison the NAACP is pouring out is bold enough to find another place to stay, he'd say, including you, Paul. He told Papa. Oh, so his dad is called Paul. Now we know. And Mapro was taking no chances on getting thrown off by Mr. Robinson's land. 
The only thing I was grateful for was having a friend like Hallelujah, whose papa wasn't afraid of white folks, or at least knew how to sneak around them. If Ma Pearl and my own grandpa wouldn't tell me anything, Hallelujah sure would. My thirsty ears drank up that poison as quickly as he could pour it out. Preachers said they'll try to get Major Evers to come this way and see if he can get the sheriff to do something, he said. Major Evers? My heart panted. Major Evers was a big name in the NAACP, from what I'd heard. Field second secretary. I wasn't sure what that meant, but I knew Ma Pearl would have scourged me if she'd known I was learning such things from Hallelujah. I started chopping again, in case Ma Pearl decided to spy on me from the kitchen window. Sweat poured down the sides of my face, and I wiped it with my sleeve. Didn't Major Evans go down to Belzoni while... Reverend Lee got killed, I asked. Nothing happened then. Nobody got arrested. Didn't even make the papers, I said. Hallelujah corrected me. It didn't make the white papers. Plenty of colored papers like the Defender reported it. And Jet, of course. That contraband, I said, teasing. Hallelujah laughed. The first time he brought over a copy of Jet magazine, Mal Pearl caught a glimpse of it while we sat in the kitchen flipping through it. Unfortunately, all she saw was the shapely bathing suit clad model in the center fold. She yanked the magazine out of Hallelujah's hand, flipped through it herself, and immediately judged it preachly and pompous. A bunch of a, a bunch of high-class northern negroes trying to make everybody feel bad about their lives, they said. She tossed the magazine back to Hallelujah with, Preacher ought to be ashamed of himself letting you read that trash full of half-knuckled women. She never said that the fashion magazines Queen got from Mr. Mrs. Robinson were trash. Yet, they too held plenty of pictures of bathing suit-clad beauties, except they were white. I shivered. Even though sweat poured down my sides under my two layers of clothing, it scared me that the only newspapers and magazines I read were the ones the Robinsons read, the safe papers, the papers that didn't report the story about a preacher being gunned down for registering himself and others to vote. I learned from Hallelujah that Reverend George Lee had been shot in the head while driving his car. He ran off the road and crashed, dying before he made it to the hospital. Nobody was arrested, just like probably nobody would be arrested for Levy's murder either. Either. What are they so afraid of, Hallelujah? Nobody wants to die, Rosalie, Hallelujah said quietly. I didn't, I don't mean colored folks, I mean white folks. Why are they so afraid? Why are they killing people just because they want to vote? Hallelujah furrowed his brow. Rosa Lee, he said, with the privilege to vote, to choose, we can change things, even put our own people in power. You know how crazy you sound? Color folks don't even get to own a store around here without white folks sabotaging it. Can you imagine a negro running for office? I removed my hat from my head and fanned myself. He'd have a bullet in his head before his name got to the ballot good. Shielding his face from the sun with his hand, hallelujah, pondered what I had just said. He was always thinking, always digging deep into that reservoir of information he had gleaned from the magazines and newspapers he frequently read. I knew he'd come up with an answer to any challenge I might present. Sure enough, after a moment, he pointed at me and said one word, Kansas. I questioned him with my tilted head and raised eyebrows. Brown versus the Board of Education, he said, Topeka, Kansas. I shrugged. The Supreme Court declared 
segregation and segregation unconstitutional. Hallelujah said, smiling. No more separate but equal. White folks have to let colored children go to school with white children in that state now. I still didn't understand. Hallelujah squinted. Don't you see, Rosa? Now that we have the power to vote, we can make that happen in Mississippi too. Hallelujah's words took a moment to soak through my heat-damaged head. But when they did, I dropped the hoe and doubled over. I thought I would die laughing. This time, I knew Hallelujah had gone too far with his crazy thinking. White and colored at the same schools in Mississippi? Never in a million years. And that is the end of today's Book Reads with Tracy. If you enjoyed it, make sure to check out the next episode. And I also hope to see you next time. Bye!